Today, before we begin a new series here at Walk Church, I just wanted us to live out a vision that I felt like the Lord gave me, which was to take a single Sunday and to bring you guys into the, the heart that I feel like God has given me for this year, for 2019, I believe the Lord has deposited specific vision in my heart for our church that I really believe will only happen if we own it together. So the title of this message is Own the Vision, Own the Vision. If you're ready, say ready. 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 I love it. Well, I want to talk about who we are as a church. Some of this is just going to be some refresh, some recaps, some reminders. And for those who may have missed some of this information, this will give you some clarity, hopefully. And if you're watching this online, I pray that's true for you as well. Let me go ahead and remind us of why our church exists with our mission statement. We have a very clear, defined mission statement here at Walk Church, and it's simply this, to free people to walk in Jesus. So if someone said, Pastor Hyden, why does Walk Church exist? I'd say, well, we exist to see people set free to walk in Jesus. Now, I love this mission statement because it didn't just arrive organically, naturally, just out of nowhere. It just came to me one day. It actually took some, some work. It took some scaling. It took some chopping. It took some cutting the fat off the edges to finally get to who we are. I remember when we first started, our mission statement was about a paragraph long. We said, all right, Walk Church exists to glorify God, to make disciples in Las Vegas and all the nations get reached with the message of Jesus so people can be healed and people, homeless will be saved and people will be set free and all. And I, I couldn't even remember it after the first time reading it. I said, you know what? We got to just get to the heart of why we exist. And I realized God wanted to see freedom happen in the city of Las Vegas. And he wants to see that happen everywhere. And we exist so people can be set free. And God is a God of freedom, isn't he? Right? We see in the Old Testament, God setting people free. He frees the Israelites from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. And all throughout the Old Testament, he always reminds them, wait, hold up. I'm the God who set you free. Don't forget it. The New Testament, Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Right? He says, indeed. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, if the Spirit of the Lord is there, there shall be freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now I want us to go ahead and add this second part. Free, freedom to walk in Jesus. To walk in Jesus. The name Walk Church actually came out of a verse of scripture, Colossians chapter 2 verse 6, which says, therefore, if you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, comma, so walk in him. Walk in him. I believe that the calling on all of our lives, nobody escapes it. This is for me and you. Look at the person next to you and say, for you. Now, say back to that person, you too. So is that, did everybody get covered? Right? The calling on all of our lives is to be set free from our sin, set free from eternity in hell, set free from our brokenness, set free from depression, set free from stress, set free from addiction, set free from whatever you need to be set free from. I really need to be set free from sports idolatry. Jesus sets us free from whatever it is that we need to be freed from so we can then walk in Jesus. Your, your faith has legs to it, Jesus, right? That when we walk in the room, we don't walk in ourselves. We've been set free so Jesus can live his life through us. I believe that's for all of us that we've been set free to walk in Jesus. 
And we want to see that happen in our church. And for 2019 specifically, God gave me a word for this year. Do y'all remember it? it? The cheat sheet's behind me. It's the word increase, right? Increase. John 3.30 says that he must increase and we must decrease. The word increase is the Greek word oxano. It means to cause to grow, to become or make greater in size, amount, intensity, or degree. It means to multiply. And the Lord placed on my heart that this is going to be a year of increase, where we begin to grow deeper in our relationship with him. We, we multiply in our church. We, we grow greater in size, amount, intensity, or degree. Starting to see that happen in the life of our church, and I believe it's going to take him to do it. This past September, we talked about three areas of increase we wanted to see. I'll just go ahead and remind you of those. Communication, and we're seeing that happen as we launched our app. And if you don't have the Walk Church app, just go to the app, Apple Store or the Sinful Android Store. No, it's not Sinful, right? Um, the Android Store, right? And uh, I'm Team Apple, but it's okay. Uh, and go ahead and, and, and grab the Walk Church app. Um, we want to increase in community by seeing more people connect in groups. And more people get to engage and do life with each other and start to pour into one another. And we've seen more groups happen. One's happening right now, our spiritual warfare class. We're using the teacher's lounge right here at Schofield to see a group happen. We wanted to increase in community, and we're seeing that. And then increase capacity, which you are a result of as well. When I preached that message a few months ago, we only had one service. And we realized man, that service was, was starting to bust at the seams, and it began to be uncomfortable. So if another family were to come, we wouldn't have had space for them. So we didn't want that to happen, so we were able to multiply and increase our capacity by adding a second service. So we have a 9.15 and an 11 o'clock worship experience, and it's a sweet time to increase the opportunity to invite people in your life to hear about Jesus and get connected with the Walk Church family. And you guys are doing that. And so these are three of the areas we wanted to see increase in, and now God's began to give me vision of what those may look like, more intentional, more specific, and I want to bring you into that. Are you okay with that? Let me talk about it for a little bit. God's given me a prayer goal for our entire church of five specific targets that I want us to aim at and ask God for. Zig Ziglar, he was a leadership guru. He once said it like this. He said, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. Right? If you, if you don't have a goal that you're aiming at, it'll just be a wish that never happens. But if you have a target that you're aiming at, you can go get it, and you can ask God for it, right? Wayne Gretzky, the famous hockey player, uh, said it like this. You'll miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So we got to take our shot, don't we, church? And we got a God who says, shoot it. Ask me. Call to me. I'm able to do more than you can even ask. Now, I don't want that just to be Christian jargon that's just coming from the pastor. That sounds good, but where is that in the Bible? I want to show it to you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Come on, read this with me off the screen. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. This verse right here drives me to my knees and makes me an asker. If there's any verse in the Bible that should encourage you to pray and to pray big, it should be this one. Because you realize who you're talking to, right? According to his power that's at work within us, he's able. Like the God we're talking about this morning, 
He is able to do more. That's why he's an increased God. And that's why I think it's appropriate that we collectively own this vision and we start to place these prayer bookmarks that I'm gonna talk about maybe on your windshield or on your mirror in your bathroom or in a place where you can see it on your office desk. I taped mine to my desk so that every day I'm praying for one of these five that we're about to walk through. That we gotta ask God for the increase. Another thing that he says throughout his word is through Jesus's brother James. In James chapter four, verse two, he says, you do not have... Because you do not ask God. So often I find myself, church family, I'm asking different people for stuff. I'm asking different people at stores or social media. Do you have a recommendation calling? Do you have this information? And God's saying, hey, why'd you skip me? That, that he should always get the first ask, amen? That it's not wrong to ask other people but we should always start with him first. Jesus says, you don't have it because you never asked it. And God is calling us to ask again. He's calling us to dream again and dream big. Dream God-sized prayers, right? Don't dream small because we got a big God, amen? And he's able to do more than we can even ask. So I want us to do that in 2019. I want us to ask God very intentional for specific movement in these five areas that I want to talk about here this morning. The first one is regarding salvation, that I'm praying a God-sized prayer that we'll see 50 people get saved through Walk Church this year. Can I get an amen from somebody? Now, I really believe that this is going to happen, right? This past year, we saw 40 people get saved. And I thought that that was amazing, whether that was through a connection card or through kids ministry, through youth ministry, through just on-site evangelism. And God said, why don't you go ahead and ask for more than that, though? What if we up that by 10 this year? Now, God's not limited to a number. I know that. But let's each have at least, at minimum, have a goal. Amen? Now, here's what I'm challenging you with. My go I would love to lead 50 people to the Lord myself. I'm an evangelist by heart. I love sharing my faith, my story. I love sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that nobody's going to get saved without the words of the gospel. There was once an erroneous statement. It said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. It's false. It should say, preach the gospel, and because it's necessary, use words, right? Jesus has given us this good news. It's bright, it's bold, it's flashing on the front of your phone and on the TV screen. It says, this is the gospel, the remedy for being saved. And we have that message. And if you don't own this vision with me, we won't see it happen. If you don't start with your family and your neighborhood, I love the testimony we had last week of Leah and Christina and how this banker shared the gospel in her faith and her invitation with her, her co-worker, her supervisor, and we were able to see her baptized last week. I love to see those stories happen. Let's see over 50 of them this year because y'all own the vision with me. I'm gonna go do my part. I wanna see you do yours. I think somewhere we got off on this reality that it's the pastor's job to bring people. Like, like he'll get the people saved. Where do you find that verse? We're all working together toward this vision and I'm grateful to just be a part of the group with you. And we want to see 50 people come to know Jesus. But don't just join me in this mission. I want you to join Jesus in this mission, 
right? The calling has never changed. We see it in Luke chapter 19. Jesus says, the son of man came. Well, why'd you come, Jesus? Well, I came to seek and to save those who are saved. Nope. (laughs) I came to save the lost. Jesus said, it's the sick that need the doctors. How are we ever going to see lost people saved if we never seek? How are we going to see the lost people saved if we spend all of our time with the saved? Now, I don't think that it's wrong. I hope that we're doing life together and encouraging each other and body life together. We should be having that. But don't ever forget why Jesus came. It's for the person that's in your life that's far from God, and God has placed you as an agent of the kingdom to bring that person near. And let me tell you something. That's hard to do. That requires faith. That requires boldness. That requires risk. And and you should ask God for all those. Jesus says, ask me so I can do more in your life. Shoot your shot. Make your ask. Let's see 50 people get saved. Amen? Wouldn't that be sweet that in 2020, January, the first week of that month, we're going to come together here at Walk Church and say, church family, we asked God all 2019 to see 50 people get saved, and we saw it happen. Amen? Because we all owned that vision together. That means that we got to have all these chairs get filled up at some point. we got to see people far from God even come in and hear the gospel and get saved. And then we need to invite them into our lives and see more disciples made. Let me give you the second prayer goal that we have is 48 people baptized. I really believe that this year we're going to see 48 people baptized. Let me break that down to make you feel a little more encouraged about it. That just means we got to see four people get baptized a month. I really think we could do it. So far, we just started the month of March, and so far, we've already seen seven people get baptized, and there's a bunch right now that are having conversations about taking that next step. Some are just saying, tell me when. We're excited about this happening, this real life change in people's lives. See, discipleship, it starts with baptism, right? Baptism's not what saves us by any means. Nothing can add to the cross. Jesus said it's finished. Faith in Christ is enough to be saved. The next step of that, though, when you begin to walk in Jesus is to identify with him in baptism. And that's one of the things we want to see happen. This past year, we saw 34 people get baptized. The year before that, we saw 33 people get baptized. And I was tempted to think, all right, God, I want to see 35 people get baptized this year. And God was like, well, what kind of increase is that? Let's go more than one. And so we jumped up to 48. I want to see all 50 people that get saved, get baptized. But I'm thinking, hey, some of these people, we might just lead them to the Lord on the street. We might just be able to lead people to Jesus, and we might not be able to get to baptize them. But I want to see at least 48 people take that next step of baptism. And let, let, me, let me remind you, I hope that I'm not the one that does them. I hope I'm in there somewhere in the 48 of baptizing somebody because I want to do that work too. But I hope it's mainly you. This morning, the call to make disciples and the call to baptize people is for you too. Men, women, that calling is for you. The call to discipleship is for each person in this house. And I hope that you'll bring somebody to me and say, Pastor Hyde, let me introduce you to so-and-so. They got saved. I shared my faith, my story. I invited them to church, and I'm going to baptize them. When is it? I want to see more stories like that. Do you? And I believe we will. We'll see 48 of them uh, this year. I want to see more stories like Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. 
I don't know if you're familiar with this testimony, but in Acts chapter 8, we see this story come alive. There's this guy named Philip. He's a believer. He's a disciple of Jesus. He gets sent on a divine appointment, and he meets this African man along the way. This African man is in his chariot, right? He's in his Jeep chariot, (laughs) and he's sitting there, and he's reading the Bible. And you know what he's reading? He's reading the same verses that Tony just preached on. He's reading Isaiah 53. And all of a sudden, Philip looks up and says, hey, man, what you reading? And the, the, the man says, can you come up and share it with me? It says, starting at Isaiah 53, Philip began to share his faith in the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch. And let's pick it up here. It says, as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. You know what? I got to do a better job addressing the exclamation point, right? Like he stops Philip and he says, see, here's water. And here's what he does. What prevents me from being baptized now? And it says he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. Let me just remind you, this is the biblical picture of what baptism looks like. It looks like a believer pouring into somebody who's far from God, that person receiving Jesus as Savior, responding to that, and then being baptized by the person who led them there, right? And we see that he went down into the water. We never see a moment of sprinkling in the Scripture. We never see a baby get baptized in the Scripture. And I know that is a sensitive issue, but we do see men and women alike and even children who are able to understand their faith in Jesus say, what's stopping me? I'm ready. They went down into the water, and it says he baptized him. I can't wait to see more of that happen in our church where we see life change and people set free. And let me just remind you that we're not in a hurry to see people get wet here at Walk Church. In the uh, three and a half years our church has been alive, We've never done a spontaneous baptism where we just say, hey, we're doing baptism right now. Anybody want to jump in? We never want to be on the other side of the story of someone's testimony where they say, yeah, I got baptized at Walk Church, but they never told me what I was doing. Right? So we're having phone calls and meetups with people to make sure they know what they're doing and they know what they're committing to. And that's why we always create space beforehand for a person to share about their story. And it's a beautiful picture of the gospel, isn't it? Let's see more of that happen This year, let's lock arms together to see 50 people saved, 48 baptized, and to see God do miracles, and he's going to change this city through those people. We're going to do this together, amen? Let me give you the third prayer point. This discipleship pathway completed. Discipleship pathway completed. Something that God has shown me recently is that one of the failures of the American church, and when I say that, I'm talking about myself, we're a part of the American church, is that we've lacked in the area of discipleship. Pastor in my life, Pastor Vance Pittman once told me this. He said, Hayden, when Jesus comes back, he'll ask you one question. how disciple-making go? The last thing that Jesus left his church with, we see on display in Matthew 28. Let's look at it together. These are the closing words of Jesus. Imagine somebody on their deathbed that says, come, come close. These are my last words to you in Matthew 28. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That should be an amen right there. Jesus says, look, hey, I got all the authority. Nothing's too big for him, right? He, he, He owns this city. That's why we say this isn't the city of sin. It's the city of him because all authority belongs to him. 
Jesus looks at Las Vegas and says, this is my city. I want my church to wake up and be aware of that, right? This is his city. He has all authority. Now watch this, church. We have a command on our lives, a commission, a commission to join Jesus in making disciples of all nations. That's why we're a church that's sending out mission teams to the nations. We're going to send one to Honduras and Ghana and to Portland. And we're going to go across the street too because the nations are right here in our city. And he says, go make disciples, followers of Jesus that are faithful and committed to walk in him. Right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the first step of discipleship. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now listen, you might be thinking, this is overwhelming. This message alone is making me nervous. Here's the good news. Jesus says, I understand. It was nervous for them too. That's why I'm going to be with you. Everything changes if Jesus shows up. And the promise of God is that he'll be with you. The power of your discipleship rests in the promise that he'll be with you. You can do this thing of sharing your faith. You can do this in making disciples if you realize he's got all authority and he's going to do it with you. So I realize this as I've been able to travel around to different states, different places, even different countries. And I'm beginning to think, beginning to think about this topic of discipleship more in depth. And here's what I've realized, church. If I were to ask you, 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 and you, what does it mean to be a disciple? We would have four different definitions. I've noticed all around the world, people define discipleship, make disciples differently. And I thought, you know what? We need to be unified in what it means to be a disciple. Here's what it means at Walk Church to be a disciple. It means to be set free to walk in Jesus, which means that you know God. Everybody look over there at that curtain. Know God. It means that you find community. It means that you discover your God-given purpose, and it means that now you're making a difference. And so here's the prayer, and I want to put those points back up, those four. The prayer is that, or those three, that you would pray for me as God has given me a task to develop a discipleship curriculum based upon these four pillars. Know God, find community, discover purpose, make a difference. And God has given me a 15-week curriculum that I've been working on for several years And it's going to be a 15-week step-by-step guide to help you take somebody who just got saved, how they get to know God through the word, know God through prayer, know God through the gospel, how they get to find community at church, find community in small group, find community in their personal intentional lives, how they get to discover their spiritual gifts, and how they can begin using those to make a difference. And that process isn't complete until that now new person is able to take the next person through it. Amen? Right, And so here's this curriculum that it's my prayer that some point, at some point this year, we're going to be able to package it, produce it, and then place it into your hands and say, now you go make disciples. And we can trust that we're all on this journey together using the same material. Amen? I think that could take us further longer. I think that, that we can be able to have confidence in our disciple making. Because I've seen some of the most seasoned Christians... I mean, some of the most all-stars in their faith. They could be experienced. They could have 30, 40 years of walking with Jesus. Come up to me and say, hey, Pastor Hyden, I want to disciple somebody. I just don't know where to start, right? And that's the truth for a lot of us. And so that's one of the reasons why I put this on as one of our God-sized prayers is that we would have this discipleship pathway and you would feel confident that you could take this and identify somebody in your life and walk with them through it. Would you use it if if you had it? Yeah, 
I, I believe so. And we want to equip you with it. My wife, Nina, has been walking with a few women here in our church through it. And it's just so amazing to hear some of the testimonies of things unlocking and light bulbs coming out. And just people just saying, you know what? I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm learning how to read the word. I'm learning how to pray. I'm learning what my spiritual gift is and now how I'm going to walk in it. I'm identifying somebody that I have to take this through. And sometimes the discipleship session may just pause and you just might have a sweet prayer moment with a person or get to share your life story with a person. And it's in those moments that God just begins to unlock freedom in a person's life. And I want us to do it together. Amen. I want us to own this vision together. Let me go ahead and move us into the fourth prayer point before we finish today. It's four groups multiplied. Here's what Jesus impressed on my heart. He said, Hayden, if we see 50 people saved and 48 people baptized in a discipleship pathway that's produced, you got to have more groups to hold the people. Right now, I'm grateful for the seven charge groups that we have active in our church, but here's the reality. We don't have enough. Especially if we're going to see 50 more people come into the house, amen? We got to work really hard to stay really small because we believe God is a God of increase, right? I'm grateful for how he's at work in this church. I want to remind you, Walk Church, that you're sitting in a miracle right now. I think you can probably come here week in and week out and just think, yeah, it's church, whatever. But it's hard to see the miracle when you're in it. So the average church in America right now today is 84 people. And there's nothing wrong with that per se because it doesn't matter how big or small the church is. It matters if God's there or not. Jesus had a church of 12, and they were all right, weren't they? Right? It doesn't matter if it's 84 or if it's 12 or if, or if it's 800 or 8,000. But the average church stays and caps out at 84. So weekly, we get to gather with a, a little over 300 people. In three years with two services. That is miraculous, church family. I want to remind you that you're sitting in a movement of God, and it takes everybody in this room to own that vision that God's given us and say, let's do it together. That means that some of you, yeah, amen. I'll clap for that. I'll clap for that. Because I'm clapping for him. So we're seeing something happen here. We're seeing the city changed here. And I really believe we're going to need more groups to raise up more group facilitators and to multiply new groups, right? We're, at, we're having prayer meetings. We're having commissioning meetings in the group and saying, all right, all right, charge group, we're praying over this couple and we're sending them out to start their own group. I remember when we did that with Joey and Y. I remember when we did that with different couples in our, in our group and saying, okay, you're going to start your own group now. And you're going to open your house. And it's going to be tough. And God's going to start to use your living room as an agent for freedom. What a gift that'll be. If we're going to see this type of growth happen, then we need to see this type of growth happen first. Because we got to have groups where people can connect. And I'm so excited to see new ones develop. Right now, we say a small group, a charge group at Walk Church consists from three to 12 people. We believe Jesus set the standard for a group at 12. But majority of our groups are all bigger than that because we don't have enough. See, our group at our house uh, this past Thursday was so awesome. And there was 20 people there or more and kids running around. And, this, and, and it was so good as we were able to break up our 20-person group into 10 groups of two. And the introverts hated it. But you know what? They had to just grow in their faith right there. 
Because now they got to sit with somebody and talk with them. And I looked around. I said, man, look at all these groups in this group. And I can't wait for more groups to just multiply and raise up other leaders. That might take you to go to the facilitator in your group and say, hey, Joey, I heard the message from Pastor Hyden. Can I lead the teaching point this week? Hey, Pastor Hyden, can I lead us in prayer this week? Hey, Pastor Hyden, can I bring a dish to group this week? Because if we all own the vision together, we'll go further longer. And I really believe there's more groups in this house right now. Some of you guys are thinking about it like, oh, can I open my house every single week? If you see your house as his first, you can do it. You can do it. And that's coming from somebody who's led groups in his house for a decade, right? And cooked and people leave a mess and all that. If you see it as his, right, God says, I'll honor that obedience. He always does. He always has. He always will. And I want to encourage you, let's see four groups multiplied. We don't say that we have group leaders here at Walk Church because we really believe Jesus leads the group. It's not a cliche statement. For those who are part of our group and our other charge groups, you'll notice we'll take intentional time in the group to say, Jesus, what do you want to do right now? And we'll take time to listen. Sometimes he'll put a verse on our heart. Sometimes he'll put a person on our heart. Sometimes he'll say, go this direction, go that direction. And he leads those times of community. So this defining reality, I want to show it to you on the screen. It says it like this. Remember it. Write it down. Freedom happens in the context of community. That the fullness of the freedom that God has for you will happen when you do it with one another. And, and for that, we want to pray for four groups to give, a, give birth. So that we can bring up a group here on Sunday and say, this group right here is giving birth to a new group. I love how the Hodges group gave birth to the Ivies group right? How our group gave birth to the Wade's group, right? And now we have more groups and more people and more capacity to reach. Amen? Amen. Let me give you the last and final God-sized prayer goal that we're aiming at for him to meet, and that's to be financially self-sustaining. We are asking for God to do something miraculous and special and specific in 2019 in our church, and to get us to a place where we're financially self-sustaining. Now, maybe you don't fully understand why that would be a goal. Let me just give you a little history and recap of our church. Our church, when we first started about three and a half years ago, we decided that we were going to be, become a partner of the Southern Baptist Convention. Southern Baptist Convention uh, is seen as a denomination um, of Bible-believing churches that come together for, for the purpose of mission and for uh, alignment around theology. Now, we're not Southern Baptists at Walk Church because of, of convenience, like we just decided to pick them out of nowhere. We said, out of conviction, where do we align closest with? Now, in the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, there's nobody uh, that governs us. We are all autonomous churches that have our own opportunity to be who we are, right? And, and that's who we are. No one's telling us what to do, but we've chosen to come alongside the SBC so that we can do more together. Here's a picture of it. Crawford Baptist Church says we're going to partner and support Walk Church by coming alongside them 
financially and prayer and sending teams. We get to do that with Pastor Josh, who we just saw brought up last week, right? When we first started our church, we've had up to 15 different churches from all around the country partner with us financially. It's amazing, amen? What a gift that is at all types of different levels. Some have said, we're going to support you with 25 bucks a month. Some have said, we're going to give you 1000 bucks a month. And most of those churches said, we're going to support for three years. And so most of these churches have finished their commitment. Their agreement was, for three years, we're going to come alongside Walk Church and, and support financially. But now, here we are. We're a lot like my one-year-old son, Asa, right? That he can walk as long as he's holding on to this. And we're a lot like that. We can walk on our own. We just need a little support. But we're at a place now where we need our church to own that vision. And here's what I know. If every single person that calls Walk Church home said, I'm going to be obedient in the area of tithing, we wouldn't need any support from anybody else. We have it all in this church. And that's my challenge for you this year is that you would pray about being part of this church family and saying, I'm going to tithe. Tithing just means I'm taking the first tenth of my income and I'm giving it to this house. And I really believe that if you are obedient in that principle of tithing, God will honor that in your life. I've had certain people tell me, hey, well, show me where that's at in the New Testament. Jesus tells us in Matthew 23, as he's rebuking the Pharisees, he says, the only thing y'all do well is tithe. So Jesus tells the Pharisees, y'all mess up here, y'all mess up here, but you do do this well, you tithe, and you should. And that's a reminder that Jesus had that expectation for his church. And when we don't follow that expectation, he even says we rob them. And so if all of us say, you know what, we're going to be obedient to this principle. I love the heart of one of my sisters. She came up to me. She says, I want to tithe, but I'm not able to, but I'm going to give an IOU for my tithe, and I'm going to bring it back when I get it. Just the heart of that, God says, I'll bless it. God says, I'll honor that. And that's, t that's tough, that's challenging, that's risky, that's bold. And that's when Jesus says, I know I'm with you. I got authority over your checkbook. I got authority over your house. I got authority over this church. And so we're coming alongside you and want you to come alongside us and say, this year at Walk Church, by the end of 2019, we're going to be able to say collectively, man, we don't need another partnership dollar. In fact, our partners that are still giving, we're going to go ahead and move that money to Ryan Ivy so we can plant another church. Ryan, you're supposed to say amen there, bro. Come on, man. He's wiping tears. That's what he's doing, right? Right? I love to say, hey, look, we're planting another church. Our church is generous already. We don't need any more partnership dollars. We want to give that money to a new church that we're going to plant. That's kingdom giving. But we'll never get there. Hear me. We'll never get there. We'll always need support from other churches until we own the vision ourselves. And for the first three years, we needed every dollar we could get from any supporters we had. But today, I'm thinking, you know what? Let's do it ourselves. And let's become even more of a generous church. We've supported church plants from the beginning, and we believe we're going to see an outpouring of even more because we're praying God-sized prayers that he's able to do. Amen? So join me in it. Trust God with it. Don't feel pressured at, at, by all means. Don't feel pressured. Don't give because it's a burden. Give because it's a blessing. My wife and I, we look at each other all the time, and we say these words. 
man, we couldn't afford not to tithe. I don't ever even want to think about what I would do with God's money. Knowing that it's his and I'm going to use it for myself seems dangerous to me. I don't ever want to say that I trust myself more than him. So I tithe off everything, y'all. Someone gives me five bucks, I'm putting uh, five cents in, right? Someone gives me 10 bucks, I'm putting a dollar in, right? Like whatever that, that may be, if it's birthday gift, if it's any, I try to just take a tenth of it just because I love the principle. I could talk about this all day because I believe in it. But I want to encourage you to test God in it as well and trust him. And let's pray these five prayers. Take this, put it somewhere you'll, you'll be able to see it. Start your day off and say, today, you know what? I'm praying for baptisms. God, I want to baptize somebody this year. Today, I'm praying for self-sustaining. God, use the, the dollars at this. Today, I'm praying for people to get saved. And we'll see God hit all these goals in 2019. Do you believe it? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God. I